as we are all standing up shall we look to the word i want all of you to open your bibles and turn to revelations revelation chapter 4 revelation chapter 4 after these things i looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which i heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying come up here and i will show you things which must take place after this immediately i was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones and on the thrones i saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which was the seven spirits of god before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back the first living creature was like a lion the second living creature was like a calf the third living creature had a face like a man and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle the four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 lord god almighty who was and is and is to come whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy lord you re- to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created eternal heavenly father as we sit at your presence this morning i pray that we will be able to see you on your throne high and lifted up and offer you worship that is worthy to your name hallelujah we thank you lord we pray that only your name and you alone will be lifted lord that no earthling will be seen or heard here 
We love you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I was sitting here during the worship service, I did not realize that Marian was going to start singing that last song. Worthy is the Lamb. Until I heard her start singing. But this morning as I was praying with this word, I was praying to the Lord. I wish they sang this as the last song. I really did. The vision and the worship of God. Apostle John is in the island of Patmos. No, he's not on vacation there. The Roman emperor, the cruel emperor Domitian has exiled him to the, that island because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus as John himself says in Revelation 1.9. Domitian, as I said, was a cruel monarch. The Christians were facing all kinds of extreme agonizing per, uh, persecution those days. They were being tortured and murdered all over. They were starting to ask, does anybody really care? Is anyone watching us? Is anyone really in control of our lives? You have to realize this is the beginning of the Christian history. There are not too many people there to support them and help them and encourage them. And it's only natural that we all ask those questions when we go through situations in life. And Revelation 4 is an elaborate and a very graphic description of the throne room of God and the worship in heaven. Verse 1 says, come up here. It is an invitation. It's an invitation. And in fact, it's a command from God to enter into his presence. Into the holy of holies to worship him. Now we sometimes invite God to come down to where we are. They say, welcome Holy Spirit. Come God, you are welcome here. And I don't really know whether we understand what we are asking for. Do we really mean what we ask for there? Can you meet him very confidently where you are sitting, the way you are sitting? If only, if God accepted your invitation and to come to face you where you are. I was shuddering at the thought of him coming and facing me if I had invited him and faced me. But you don't need to answer me now. Answer to yourself at the end of this message. Our God needs no invitation from us. 
There is no place where God is not. Psalms 139:7 through 10. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee, flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. You know, one of the most dreadful things about hell is not the fire and the burning and the and and the pain there. It is the fact that God is there watching you going through that suffering and you cannot connect to that God. that is the most tormenting thing about hell but there is a place where you can go keep god out of that is your heart that is your life you close your heart to him and he is not going to push it open that's the only place you need to invite and let him in and the question this morning is to my dear brothers and sisters have you invited jesus into your life is he your savior and your lord this morning this reflects this and what a privilege it is for the true worshipper to be assured into the presence of the holy god to worship him yes god is inviting us to come up and enter and we must respond by allowing us to be transported up in worship god is asking us come up and in response we are allowing ourselves to be transported into his holy presence in the twinkling of an eye it happens and in verse 2 it says we are ushered into the throne room of god he saw john saw the throne of heaven when he went up worship is being in the throne room of god it is seeing god the father seated on the throne worship is receiving that revelation about god this morning that is what we need we must see god when we worship we must experience him as we worship him every day of our life we must experience god you know let's step back a few chapters in revelation you know revelation chapters 2 and 
we read the letters to the seven churches in the region called Asia Minor. This is actually the modern day uh, Turkey. Apostle John is very familiar with all those seven churches. Every one of them is a real church. A real church where people gather to worship. Churches like ours, Cornerstone Church. And all itineraries of worship are going on there. They have prayer meetings, music, praise and worship, preaching, regular collections, special collections, mission trips and mission work, charity work, weekly meetings, weddings, baptisms, child dedications, Lord's Supper. And they are all highly reputable Places of worship. Real churches. But now, John is taken up into the heavens and he's given a very different perspective about all these seven churches. Yes, regular gatherings are happening in all seven churches. But from above, all these seven churches look different. They have so many good things to talk about. But many of them, God does not approve. And some of their activities, God is very angry about. Church in Ephesus is a persecuted church. But it lost its Tesla. A church that was seated so high but fell down from its original love and position. They didn't even recognize that they fell. Church in Smyrna, a church that's going through severe tribulation and poverty, being slandered, facing blasphemy. Church in Pergamos, it's a compromising church. You know what is compromise? We'll take everything. Everything is good. It's okay. You don't want to antagonize anybody. Let's move a little forward. They will keep there. Let's meet in the middle. Compromise. Do we do that? Do we change the standards of God for the, the gold standards of God for the sake of accommodating others? They allow they allowed false doctrines to flourish in the church. They tolerated immorality. Church in Thyatira. It's a corrupt church. False doctrines again. Allowing false practices. Church in Sardis. It's a dead church. But just the reputation of being a very lively one. The motions of worship are going on there, but there is no life in their worship. Church in Philadelphia, it's a weak church, but a faithful church. And finally, church in Laodicea, a lukewarm church. The poor, the blind, and the naked church, and they know nothing about their real condition. Full of deception. A hypocritical church. 
all kinds of activities are going on there but there is a problem there you know where christ is in that church outside you know the worship is going on doors are locked all kinds of activities but jesus is knocking outside saying and they don't even know want him in widespread persecution was going on all kinds of problems in the church even today lies discord apostasy heresy hypocrisy strife sin betrayals the world we live in has all kinds of problems look around can we identify some problems we have wars here we have rebellions natural disasters pandemic deception false prophecies and pro- false prophets compromise backsliding and backstabbing pandemics sickness family problems political problems morality issues all resulting from our sin and the depraved mind of man while all these things are happening in earth nothing changes about heaven nothing the worship in heaven goes uninterrupted i want to impress upon you right now right now worship is going on in heaven the way we read before in the throne room of god angels are worshiping him there's no interruption there and we must have the vision of the one that is sitting on the throne this is a vision that the church must live by everything that happens in our life we have to realize that god is in control you know what a confidence it is that when we are going through situations in life that there is our god who is watching over us who is looking into us and who is in control of all those things and unless the church of jesus christ receives this revelation about god we will all be in trouble god is in control without the revelation of a god who is in control of everything and who cares for us in love we drift away in our crisis and we falter when you want i go through situations in life we must remember that our god is in control i want to impress it upon you i know we all are going through different things in life problems in life crises in life look to the one on the throne and say he is in control of my life look at the look at the throne look at the one sitting on the throne adorned with all kinds of precious things 
you know, for, I was reading through it several times. For lack of intelligible words, Apostle John is throwing in some names. Like, he has used a lot, lot of likes there. Like, as if. He is truly hard-pressed to describe heaven. Jasper. Later, John described this stone as crystal clear, probably diamond. Sardius and carnelian. A fiery, bright red stone. You know, the one who is sitting on the throne looks like all these stones. Emerald. A deep green color. A multicolored rainbow around the throne. When prophet Ezekiel saw the vision of glory of the Lord, he saw a rainbow radiating from around the around God. Ezekiel 1, 28. I saw that from that, what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. You know, people, humans are trying to describe God. They're trying to say, it is like fire. It is like stone. It is like that. It is like this. They're bringing all these glorious sounding things, but they are lost for words. There's radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He doesn't say it is the glory of God. It is the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. From the time of Noah, the rainbow represents God's Faithfulness to man. His faithfulness to his word. His promises. And his covenant relationship to humans. Verse 5, it says, Peals of thunder and lightning from the throne. Oh, the beauty of that throne is beyond description. You know where... As I was reading that, what reminded me, peals of thunder and lightning, Mount Sinai. The Israelites saw the cloud, lightning, and peals of thunder when the Lord was speaking to his man, Moses. Exodus 19, 16, and 20. Nobody was allowed to come near that mountain at that time. They were forbidden. If anybody touched that mountain, they would be dying. But it's the same God here. And he's asking us to come up. Not to stay away. Come up. Yes, peace of thunder. God has not changed, my dear brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. You should not even have an inkling that this is a different God that we are worshiping. And you should not even feel that you can come and worship him any way you want. We should meet his demands when we worship him. This throne is surrounded 
by the worshipping elders and the four living creatures. John is actually witnessing this very amazing worship. Hallelujah. When all kinds of problems and hurts and betrayals and bloodsheds are happening on earth, in the church and outside the church, there is another world that is always in worship. Only worship there. And the interesting thing is that these two worlds coexist. They are there simultaneously. When you look at this God, and when you look at this worship, you immediately realize that you cannot just come and worship any way you want. Millions upon millions of angels are worshiping this God. The saints of God, the 24 elders represent them. They are worshipping him. Look at the way they are worshipping. Giving us a pattern to worship. Our corporate worship should be modeled after this heavenly worship. How do we respond to God's presence in our worship? Are we serious about his presence in our midst? If this throne of God really descended in our midst now, how would we respond? How would we respond? And what makes you think that it is not here right now? What makes you think that this throne of God is not here now? It is here. The fact is that the throne of God is right now here. Because he has promised us that when his people gather to worship, his presence will be with them. That is his promise and he's a promise-keeping God. He does not need our worship. He's worshipped day and night. From Creation of the very first thing that he created. He's, he's being worshipped. Hallelujah. Angels worship him non-stop. But it's his desire that his children worship him. In love, in truth, and in spirit. I really need to dwell on these things for a long time. I am not venturing to do that because there's no time. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah saw a similar vision. He witnesses practically the same thing. Hallelujah. The four creatures in Revelation mirror the seraphims in Isaiah. And they also shout, Holy, 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 threefold repetitions of the holiness of God. And the only attribute of God that is repeated three times together in the scripture. You know why? God the Father is holy. God the Son is holy. 
God the Holy Spirit is holy. Do not underestimate who they are. Hallelujah. We serve a God who is holy, holy, holy. These angels are not even concerned about their own well-being as they are circling around the throne to worship this holy God. They are obsessed with the sovereignty of this holy God. He's almighty. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. The beauty of the holiness of John sees this throne and God the Father is sitting in his majesty. His glory, his power, his grandeur. If we keep focusing on the things of this world, we will get depressed. The wars and the sickness and the pandemics and the murders and the betrayals, deaths, all those things we discussed, we talked about earlier. We will only be disturbed discouraged and disheartened. But look up and see him on the throne and know that he is in control of your life. One of the first things that happens in worship is this revelation of God and the deep conviction and that nothing happens without his permission. That is why the Negro spiritual when the it's a very old one. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the you and me brother in his hands. He's got the you and me brother in his hands. He's got the you and me brother in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the you and me sister in his hands. He's got you and me sister in his hands. He's got the you and me sister in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. We are in his eternal hands. Nobody can snatch us away from him. A vision of this living God will change us completely. Revelations 4, 9, and 10. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Now listen to this. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy 
to receive glory and honor and power. The elders church represent the church, the believers. Wait a minute. Do you know what they're doing? The crowns on their head. This is the crowns for which they live for their entire lifetime on earth. This is their reward. All kinds of crowns. They lived on earth to receive these crowns. But when they realized who they are with, this felt like trash. They threw it before the throne and fell prostrate and worshipped this God. Nothing seemed worthy, worthier than worshipping the one on the throne. My father went to be with the Lord about three years ago. I know a lot of you lost your dear ones recently. I always want to see him when I go to heaven. But when I was meditating this portion, I realized that I may not want to do that. I may, once I get to heaven, and when I start looking at the face of my Jesus, I will never want to take my case from him to look at another thing. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, with a lot of heart pain, let me tell you, if you can leave a worship service feeling good about yourself, you have not seen this God. Some of us are here, coming here, to have a good feeling, right? But if you leave this sanctuary feeling good that you have done something, you have accomplished something, and you pat on your shoulders for doing something, you have not seen this God. Hallelujah. Now in Revelation 5, something very marvelous happens. I know it's 12 o'clock, but I'm going to take a few more minutes because I want to give you the whole perspective of what's going on there. Chapter 5. And then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with the writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel, not just an ordinary angel, a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth under the, or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept. John is talking about himself. I wept and wept because no one was found 
was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, I want you to be very carefully listening to me from now on. Then one of the elders told me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Hallelujah. Each one had a harp. I skipped a few verses. And they were holding golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of the people of God. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Hallelujah. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they circled the throne and living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. Hallelujah. In, the, in chapter 5, the this, this scroll and the seven seals are described. The scroll contains the future history of the world. The scroll could not be opened, nor the seals broken by anyone. John started weeping because none was worthy to do that. Hallelujah. 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 I invite the choir to come forward. Somebody, one of the one of the elders told John, John, don't cry. The lion of Judah has triumphed, and he is worthy to open the seal and the scroll. Naturally, John is looking for the lion of Judah. He's looking around. Where is the lion of Judah? He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the almighty. He's the mighty God. But where is he? Where is he? John's eyes are prowling around for the lion of Judah. But as he was looking, he saw a lamb 
Jesus announced that the lion of Judah will be coming. But the one who is stepping out, he doesn't look anything like a lion. He looks like a lamb. Not only that it looks like a lamb, it looks like a lamb that was slain. the lion of Judah. It is the king of kings. It is the lord of lords. But for you and me, he became the slain lamb of God. Hallelujah. If I cry, I just can't control his love towards me. This morning, can you look onto the cross of Calvary? Let me take you to the foothills of Calvary. Look on that cross, bearing your sin and my sin. This Lamb of God is lying there. He died for me and you. His hands and feet were pierced by nails. His head wounded by the sharp thorns. And the soldiers cut channels back and forth on every inch of his flesh. And they pierced his chest. And they murdered him. And he became the Lamb of God for me. And he died for me. And he died for you. The Lamb of God who was slain for me. He is now on the right hand of God the Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to close, but before that, I want to bring one more thought. I don't know how many of you listen to what I said or what is written there. In eternity, in that heavenly worship, the lamb looks still slain. He still looks slain. He has, does that mean he has wounds on his body in heaven? Apostle John says that he looks slain. I thought there would be no marks or blemishes on our body when we resurrect, right? Because First Corinthians chapter 15 says, we read it always, during our funeral services, we must, in a flash in the tingling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. 
when the perishable hath been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. We will all have perfect bodies when we resurrect. Yes, that is the truth. But there is one in heaven who will be having a scar on his body for eternity. He is my God. He is my Lord. When Apostle Thomas said that I will not believe until I saw his wounds on his hands and I put my fingers on the wound of his chest. Did he do it in the resurrected body of Christ? It is true that you and I will have perfect bodies in heaven. But the Lamb of God in eternity will be bearing the scars or the wounds that you and I gave him. It will be a constant reminder for you and I in eternity that we did not get there on our own. Every time you look at the Lamb of God, you will realize that he is the one who brought me here. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And, his, and by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. We did not deserve, deserve heaven, my dear brothers and sisters. But the Lamb of God took us there. Brothers and sisters, he is the object of our worship. He is our God. He is our Savior. Hallelujah. He is holy, holy, holy. Lion of Judah and the slain Lamb of God. In our worship, O oh child of God, we must see God sitting on the throne, His majesty, His holiness. And we must grab the vision of the Lion of Judah powerful almighty God and we must not forget the vision of the slain lamb of God who made us worthy who made us worthy to enter into the presence of God hallelujah and we must know we all we have the Holy Spirit in us who will lead us in truth until we reach there in person. Hallelujah. Now answer that question that I asked you before. Answer yourself. 
can you leave a worship service after seeing this God feeling good about yourself? If you do, you have not seen this God. Let the Holy Spirit usher us every day of our life, every moment of our life in his presence, in holy, to live in his, this holy fear. I'm going to conclude here. May this be the vision that we live by every day of our life. May our church be led by this vision of the one that's sitting on the throne. The one that is being worshipped day in and day out. The one that does not need our worship but desires that we will worship him. Shall we give him all glory, all honor, and all praise because he alone is worthy to be praised.